I have, yeah. I've seen London Has Fallen, I've seen Criminal. I've got loads of notes on both of those. Okay, maybe um, for another time then. <laughs> um, so, um, with, I think... I one, think one of my notes on Criminal is inexplicably exploding car. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ian. He's Ollie. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> we're both guys. We're chatting about film. It's the Guys on Film podcast. Did you just assume my genre? Do you mean gender? In a way. <laughs> Is that not where that came from originally? It was actually from assuming gender based on gender, gender fluidity. No, it was... Well, it was, but it was just, it was just um, a fake catchphrase that we were using to fool Pete into thinking we'd had more catchphrases than we actually have. So that's where that came from. So what's in today's sode? Today's sode is... Tonight. Whenever. When, don't, whenever. Today, listen tonight. To whenever you want. Through. Yeah. It's not time bound. When is the <laughs> best time to listen to it? <laughs> time. Time bound. <laughs> you knew I was keen to say that though. Yeah. Time the bound. summer time bound. It's about a man who has to relive the same five seconds of his life over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, eat, sleep, be bound to time, repeat. Yeah, share, agree. <laughs> <laughs> so on this sword, um, we're going down um, Criminal Avenue with Ollie. <laughs> Uh, based on his recent um, traffic and road-based misdemeanours, um, he's had to do a little bit of porridge uh, or a, a course based on uh, speed awareness. Yeah. So we're going to be speed aware with an elevator pitch based on uh, what we feel the next in the speed franchise should be. Yeah. Um, and then our 4X deep dive is going to be on Mila Jovovich. And now, predominantly Resident Evil. I always say Mila Jokovich. Jokovich? Yeah. But there's now, no that K. Is... That's literally not how it's even spelled. <laughs> I know. So what is it then? Well, I read that... Mila the... Jovovich. Yeah, you're right. You know what? But the thing is, my whole life I've been actually saying that. Jokovich. Yeah. <laughs> you're an idiot. I know, I know. Uh, um, like, genuinely, so like, that's that's not a Benefleck. That's that a is, misreading. Yeah, that's just a misreading. Yeah. So uh, I read that it was Yojovich, uh, the yo-yo, the yo-yo witch. Yeah, something like that. But it's yeah. it's at least spelled Jovovich. So I say it okay. that way because I didn't know it was Yojovich. Yeah. So that's pretty much it. Okay. Do you um, crack on with stuff. I should uh, maybe I should put the disclaimer in that I'm not feeling very well. Yeah, you've had two X days off work. Yeah, so like yesterday and the day before, just absolute sweat fest, like fever, sweat, and headaches. And have just you been having? It. Have you been having fever dreams? Not really good ones that I can remember. I'm afraid. Mm. Boring. Um, yeah, but well, dr- just he- hearing dreams is boring anyway. So. Oh, certainly hearing yours is okay shall we move on okay so yeah. you're the one that brought up your do you, do you want to just uh, tell people a little bit about why you're doing this um, traffic based porridge well basically you you do the crime you've got to do the time I'm normally a, a pretty 
slow driver, or at least I don't I don't consciously break the speed limit, right? That's what I will say. The limits are there for a reason. Stick to them. Stop in distances. It's just safer, guys. Just, you know, <clears throat> use your noggin, right? Um, they're not guidelines. They're rules. Um, and I, I, so I was on a, I was on a motorway and the, uh, the gantry at the top where on, on the motorway, it changes. It's one of these smart motorways on the M6. I was going a cool 56 miles an hour, <laughs> uh, in a, in a 50 and, uh, you know, and that's it. And I got, I got caught. So there we go. And it was just uh, probably more a concentration thing. I just didn't bloody realize, did I? So instead of getting so the points, in a way, you're yep. kind of blaming the smart motorway more than yourself for that. No, one. I'm blaming. No, no, no. Uh, I'm blaming my lapse in concentration. So I mean, but all it all it came down to was probably a momentary load of the foot down, just slightly. So anyway, look. I've, by the end of the four hour speed awareness course, I'd fully come to terms with my crime, um, and I'm swift much, justice. Yeah, I'm a much more conscientious aware driver so that's what i will say i'm actually quite glad that i went on the course um i thought it was pretty good though there was there was a couple of things i'll probably just get on into in the life score um but we were struggling we were struggling for a seggy one um and we're having a little (laughs) laugh we were certainly struggling (laughs) we were having a little laugh about my uh my four hour sentence and uh, basically, we, we, you know, we obviously both like speed. I've not sp- seen Speed 2 Cruise Control. Because one thing that strikes me about that film is that, look, buses are pretty quick, aren't they? Correct. And, like, due to the confined nature of streets, uh, we've both worked on racing games, and we know what makes a fast game feel fast. What's that? Trackside objects close to the road, <laughs> close to the car, right? Whizzing... <laughs> Yeah. whizzing past you whizzing past you at speed now you get that with a bus you get buildings you get lampposts you get bridges you just get the whole shape the vibrations now when they were coming up with a sequel for speed they managed to choose the probably what looks like the slowest vehicle ever which is a cruise liner I mean they I mean fair enough they probably go faster than a faster than a bus but perception of that speed is not quite the same, is it? It could be doing triple the speed of the bus, but in actual fact, it looks like it's doing a third. Exactly. So I think they messed up there. So what we're saying is is we want to <laughs> correct the course of what is only two films now and make it into a trilogy. Speed, um, speed three, course correction. <laughs> course correction. So, yeah, so that's basically what we want to do. Uh, so, okay. Ian, have you... Have you got one? Do you want to go first, or would you like me to go first? I'll go first. <laughs> I don't. Okay, well, that's a shame, because I am going first. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. No, you go first, it's fine. You've Sorry. got... You, I just saw, um, for, the, for those people that um, don't have the Google Hangout stream, <laughs> Ollie both has um, a strange sort of like flick, flick of a tail of the back of his hair, yeah. um, which is very humorous. I got a screenshot of that that I'll definitely put on Facebook. No, you're not. And, you're not. And secondly, um, I just saw Ollie's detailed notes that he's printed off on A4 paper and hi- highlighted with a highlighter pen. Can I just show? 
you one thing. <laughs> I've got a link. <laughs> a HTML link on a on, on a full paper. <laughs> I'm gonna need that link. It's a standalone note as well. Hey, can you print me that link? I'm gonna need that link. <laughs> um, yeah. So why don't you? Um, Hand type out that link based on what you've got there in front of you. Okay, so I'll go first, shall I? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, I think because there's only two of us, we can be pretty approximate with the time. Mine's short and sweet anyway. Okay, So, this is Speed 3. It's Speed 3 Winnebago Lawsuit. Based on the urban myth of one woman's journey towards $1.7 million of payout money based on a horrific crash that was entirely her fault... Um, this is going to be a high drama um, sandwich preparation scene at 60 miles an hour. <laughs> so she's she's switching the Winnebago into cruise control and yep. she's stepping uh, away from the driver's seat yep. and back into the Winnebago to start to make herself a sandwich. Then uh, we encounter the most dramatic and nerve-wracking crash since um, Castaway. Uh, so it's it's going to be pots and pans flying everywhere. Okay. The whole front, the whole front of the Winnebago crushing up into sort of a fifth of the size that it was before, and yeah. all of the various panels and edges of the of the Winnebago all getting crushed and shearing off um, mm. into thousands of bits, and mm. her obviously getting thrown around and concussed, and obviously sort of almost within an inch of her life. Yeah, or less. Then for, yeah, a millimetre of her life. Yeah. Um, the skin of her teeth. Or less, yep. From death, <laughs> or less. Uh, Carry on. Yeah, so the remainder of Speed 3 Winnebago lawsuit is uh, a high drama courtroom drama, I guess, <laughs> as the plaintiff takes her, frankly, satirical case to the highest uh, of courts in the country, which I think, given T. Rumpotis's, um assault on truth, yeah, alternative it, facts. This is only as satirical or or insane as anything else that's going on right now. So yep. I think think we've got the climate for this type of movie. Okay. Um, so that's pretty much it. Right. So I mean, I've instantly got questions. Insta Insta Query One. Where's Keanu? He has. Not figured into my uh, movie. However, I will write him in in order to get you on board. He's he's basically gone from uh, working for the police to now being a judge. Right. And what about Jason Patrick from Speed 2 Cruise Control? Oh, he's dead. Right. <laughs> Is that explained in the first few minutes of the film at all? or No. <laughs> In fact, there's there's just one line. There's one, that one that line. That one line, yeah. Uh, where I think the judge refers to the fact that, that he's dead. So what's the big... I need to know what what is, what's the big... Apart from the crash, which I imagine takes place within the first 10, 15 minutes of the film as a kind of shocking opener, what's what's the big action payoff? Well, that's that's the thing, is this, this has taken a kind of different turn. Um, okay. It's not really about speed, right? It what it seems like to me is that I've come may, up with it, the name and or 
a bit like Die Hard with a Vengeance wasn't originally supposed to be a Die Hard film, but once they'd seen the script, they thought, you know, this could be a Die Hard film. So seems to me like you've read a you've read a script and you put the speed name on it afterwards. All right, so I'll tell you what I'll do for you. Right? Okay, cut me a deal. So I'll cut you a deal. Right. So we've got Keanu as the judge. Let's make yeah. uh, let's make the woman in the Winnebago Sandra Bullock. Okay. That Perfect. now now we're cooking. Yeah. And also that in some ways uh, kind of explains why she wins the lawsuit because the judge is very much in her favour. Ian, uh, um, you don't cook a sandwich. Did I say cook a sandwich? You said now we're cooking or now we're cooking, and I'm just saying you don't cook a sandwich. So, you know, now we're I'd, preparing. Yeah, I, I don't even really remember saying that, but fine. Okay. <laughs> I, because I, I mean, I, I agree. Um, okay, and then uh, so the other thing you've you've got um, Sandra Bullock winning just purely because Keanu's um, behind the hammer and gavel, um, and let's say that the courtroom. Yeah. Is on wheels. It's a portable. <laughs> now we're now we're preparing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now we're preparing with gas. Yeah. Um, or bus. So then, so it's not going to be Dennis Hopper, is it? We're not going to be able to cast him. Who who's going to hold this courtroom at ransom? Dennis Quaid. Okay, that's fine. Dennis Quaid it is. Yeah. Um, and ultimately, Judge Keanu um, just kills him with like a an M16 or something. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can insert action here. I th- I think it's uh maybe the first ever It's the first draft. It's the first well, it's also the first ever um mobile lawsuit action film I think ever <laughs> ever made. So maybe I'm in. It could be a new genre. Yeah, there's no precedent for it in the real world. So No. Um, okay. Now, do you actually know anything about that sort of myth, anyway? You know this myth about how somebody sued Winnebago over their uh, cruise control because they didn't actually explicitly say that you couldn't walk away from the controls? No, I didn't know and anything about this. So it, it turns out, I think, that it is actually a myth, um, right. but that somebody successfully sued and got $1.7 million from Winnebago because... Um, yeah, they crashed when they put it on cruise control and went away to make a sandwich. Wow. Okay, what's yours? Okay, so mine sticks to the speed formula a little bit uh, closer than yours does. Closelier. Um, a little bit closelier than yours does. So mine's called uh, Speed 3 Spews Control. Spews Control. Spews, you'll, you'll, you'll see. So this is set on the world's largest roller coaster. A new villain has got Keanu and Sandra on board and full of burger, fries and milkshake. If if either vomit, it's game over for all 200 passengers on board. <laughs> That's not all. <laughs> I, I reckon probably the villain would be Jason Patrick as well, by the way. So, um, because his film didn't do as well as the original Speed, he's somewhat <laughs> disgruntled. So it's it's also a bit meta as well. It's a bit like a knowing wink at the cinema patrons. Like, why didn't you go and see the film? So basically, it's it's the world's first 5D feature played back in a hydraulic cinema 
in first person view, full 360 degree view of the action. And if Keanu okay. slash Sandra spew, you'll feel every morsel. <laughs> okay. So not only not only have you got action going on around you in a full 360 panorama, the cinema's moving, and if there is any vomit, there will be a special blower in front of you full of mints, McFlurry, and potato that will just spray over the audience. Fantastic. That's mints in meat mints. Meat mints. Cooked. Yep. Cooked, cooked, not raw. Not raw. That's <laughs> very fair of you. Yeah. Um, so I had an immediate question. Okay. Your first, your first Insta, line. Insta, Insta query. query. Yep. Um, you said that it's high stakes because if either of them spew, yeah, it's game over for yeah. all. What did 200, you say? Many, 200. So there's two hundred people on this roller coaster. Yeah, it's the it's the world's largest roller coaster. Okay. Or biggest. That capacity seems unlikely for even the largest of roller coasters. But Ian, I mean, we can. It's we a can science work fiction. It's a science fiction film. Okay, set in the future. <laughs> okay, how far in the future? Twenty eighty. Okay, how are these characters going to have um, realistic age um, weathering? based on their previous performances from the 1997 and 1994 movies. Well, they have aged dramatically, but they're all in like weird exoskeletons um, to keep them fully mobile and and youthful. (laughs) Okay. And keep the skin lubed. (laughs) Yeah. So, Um, but they're all in this roller coaster. They're having a nice day out. Jason Patrick's disgruntled speed two cruise control didn't do very well at the cinemas. So he's got 200 people on this roller coaster and if uh, Keanu or Sandra spew, the whole thing's going to blow. That's what I wanted to ask you about, was that when you said it's game over for all 200... Yeah. <coughs> lol, 200 um, passengers, yeah. in what way is it game over for them? It's going to blow. Right, so, that, <laughs> so that's vague, and it's also something that you've added in the last 10 seconds. Um, but it's game over, so- look. All I'm saying is, you said it's game over. Does that just mean that they're all going to get covered in the sick as the roller coaster (laughs) moves forwards through? Well, they're going to get they're going to get covered in the sick, Um, Uh and so is the so is the audience. I mean, it's going to be fake sick. the The cinema staff are going to have to fry up the mints before every performance. (laughs) Why not just use mouldy stuff or, or <laughs> raw stuff hey i don't know i don't know why they do these things i you know i'm just i just wrote i just wrote the script so i didn't think of the logistics um didn't think so of yeah, the 5D it's gonna, it's, experience no so basically the the uh the passengers are going to get covered in the sick the audience is going to get covered in the sick and then uh-huh. It's going to blow because there's there's sick sensors all over the roller coaster, and if one of those gets covered in sick, it's going to blow up. High stakes. So what's this called? Speed three. Spews control. The film has one of five different outcomes and endings. <clears throat> in some versions, they're sick. In some versions, they defuse the bomb. In some versions, they fall off the roller coaster. So you never know what film you're going to go and see. You never know what ending you're going to get. There are five theatrical releases that are different all the time. Yeah, just different endings, yeah. What happens to Jason Patrick? Which ending are we talking about here? 
Okay, it doesn't matter. Don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is a, a new section called You the Viewer, which is hilarious because we don't have viewers, we have listeners. Uh, so our first You the Viewer that we're going to be grilling and asking four standard questions plus one mystery question is a regular listener, Alec Brunson. Just tell me a little bit about yourself. I'm, I'm a human male. I'm, I'm 30 years of age on this planet. Yeah, uh, that's that's my standard answer over, really. That's good. So I've got four standard questions. Question number one is... Exciting. Is exciting, yeah. What was the last film that you saw with your eyes? The last film I saw with my eyes at the cinema... Yeah. Um, I think was Passengers. Going to be honest with you, not one that I, I really fancied. I think from what I saw, it kind of looked like Flavour of the Month man slash Flavour of the Month girl are in Flavour of the Month film. It's exactly what it is, yeah. It's kind of... I kind of enjoyed it when I was when I was there. I, I thought it was all right. It's when you left that you <laughs> didn't enjoy it. It was when I left and digested everything about it that I realised that it was basically... The producers sat in a room for five minutes and went, what are people like? And someone went, space. And then someone said, what are other people like? Pretty people. Yeah. So I don't let's put them together and we'll put pretty people in space... Yeah, and we'll just see what happens. Which pretty people do they like? Know. Oh, they like they like the one out of the uh, the Hunger Games, and they like the Chris Pratt. Now he's got abs. The, the the main impact for me that that film had was that my own self esteem took a battering uh, because it turned out that the uh, the joint Netflix account that is used by me and my girlfriend uh, suddenly had an awful lot of searches for Chris Pratt films, which was Ah, problematic. Um, I found it odd when all of a sudden it was, uh, oh, do you, do you fancy watching this Guardians of the Galaxy? <laughs> I, I can't think now, but well, okay. That's, you know, it's a post-abs Chris Pratt film, so, you know. Yeah, I mean, we, we can't compete with, with post-abs Chris Pratt. I mean... I certainly can't. That, well, most people that know me know that... If I was to liken myself to any sort of film star, it would be Bruce Willis <laughs> after a particularly heavy Christmas and sort of relapsed into a, a meth addiction. So, <laughs> yeah. Question two for you, uh, moving on from Chris Pratt's abs. What's your, what's your favourite? <laughs> what's your favourite film of all time? I'm going to have to go with Training Day. Training Day with yeah. Denzel. Denzel, the Oscar, Denzel's Oscar film. Yeah, is it? Um, so what, why? Why I is just, it? I, I can't get bored of watching that. I would just watch it all the time. And <laughs> it's really quotable. It's got, it's got a bit of everything in so, it. Well, you, say, you just said it was quotable. Can you, can you actually quote it? I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> um, you've, got to, you've got to catch the wolf. You've got to... No, hang on. <laughs> I scratched that. You, you're going to need to edit that. Um, to, to protect the flock, you've got to catch the wolf. And then there's there's more n bombs than than you believe possible. Yeah. Uh, there's romance in it because yeah. he's got a wife. Right. Snoop Dogg's in it, but is that a surprisingly believable part for him to play? Is a, a disabled drug dealer. Okay. <laughs> it, 
Oh, I haven't seen it, so I'm going to add it through my watch list. Um, so question three, popcorn, Y slash N, yes slash no, yes or no? I'll go with a, a simple Y for that. Okay. However, I would like to um, see a Dragon's Den pitch for somebody that can come up with silent popcorn. Right, okay. Yeah. Or, or silent snacks, just silent snacks in general. Silent snack holding devices so the problem you don't think is the people it's the snack or do you think it's both well i quite liked your deterrent idea um, i'm glad someone did from the other week yeah i'm kind of with you on that it kind of strikes me as weird that people can't go for an hour and a half without their head full of (laughs) things but (laughs) yeah i get you you're you're a you're a popcorn man, but you would just like to you'd like the industry to come together and and, and make and make noiseless noise cancelling popcorn. Noise cancelling popcorn. I mean, noiseless snacks would be great, but until then, yeah, I'll have some popcorn. Question four, uh, just briefly, what's your life score? I'm fine. I think I'm I'm sick of it being dark perpetually. Yeah, yeah same. No. Yeah, because I, I cycle to work most days if I can, and it's just dark all the damn time, and it's yeah, it's kicking my head in. But I've got some holidays to look forward to, and my mates expecting another kitty, so that's all good. Right. What's your actual score then out of out um, of ten? It's an eleven point scale out of ten. 11 points going out of 10. So 0, zero to 10. 6.5. Because I'm fine. I'd go with 5 is, five is average, right? So. Yeah, yeah. Like 10, I'd say my 10 was when I was at, in, in Disney uh, World with my kids, just loving it. Um, 0 being a dog in a hot car. 5 being, you know, you sat on the sofa, the film is good, you know, neighbours aren't being noisy. Okay. Things are just occurring. The house, okay, the house okay. smells okay, fine. Do. Well, I, I just had mackerel curry, so my house probably doesn't smell fine to other people, but you're I accustomed don't to care. it. So I'm fine. I'm going to go with a six and a half. I think that's okay. fair. And then uh, that sounds great. So, yeah. Alec, I've got one more, one more final question. Uh, one more final question for you. Question number one five. One more final question. So Good. you can have one. This this isn't going to happen, but let's just hypothetically say. Someone will give you one million pounds in one year's time, but for that entire year, you can't bend your arms. So okay. your arms, your arms would be fused straight at the elbow. Okay, so I don't have to put any effort in to stop me bending them. They will be. They will, they will be, be locked straight. Yeah, they will be. The okay. bone will be fused. You won't be able to bend them. What? 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 You're saying? Yes or no? You go for a million quid. Yeah. I'm going to say no. I, I don't. I'm all right with, I'm all right as I am. Yeah. To be honest, I, I kind of, this is a sort of a prerequisite to a successful day at the moment. So <laughs> I, I suppose riding a bike might be problematic for you as well. I mean, if yeah, you had, if you had, a, if you had a collision with that, that's going to be an absolute nightmare. <laughs> it's, it's not going to be pretty. And, and things like eating is I'm going to have to just eat with my face. Yeah. Oh, God, I didn't... You know what? I didn't actually think of that. You could could maybe have, like, a conveyor belt system 
that you can place things yeah, on the end of the conveyor belt and it will bring it towards your mouth and... Yeah, that's cool, but would, put, would installing such a system eat into your million quid? It, yeah, it probably would, yeah, so... Because you're going to have to have a generation game style sort of setup. Yeah. You know, Bruce will turn it up and then... He's going to cost. That's going to cost a bit. Okay, uh, well, it's been great talking to you, and uh, thanks for listening to the uh, to the podcast and, and becoming a thanks. regular viewer. I'm a, I'm a regular viewer. Thanks for having me on. We've certainly been having you on. Um, so we've we've found out a little bit about Alec. Now we need to find out about uh, the rest of us in life scores. That was a little segue, so it can go into the. Do you get me? Into sort of theme music. Yeah. <laughs> Live score. How are you? Live score. I'm fine. Thank you. Live score. Out of 10. Live score. Pro- probably like a, th- a four. Okay, so live scores, Ian. Um, yeah. Do you want to bring us down with your misery life and then I'll pick us back up again? I'll tell you what, I feel like a little bit better now, so it's not a misery life, but... Over the course of Sunday, I started to feel really crap. Now, this is uh, Tuesday that we're recording this, and uh, I've had to take Monday and Tuesday off work because I was feeling absolutely rotten, and I wasn't able to sleep at night time. Tuesday's the the night that Craig David's out for a drink, just to let everybody know. Yeah, but I mean, Monday night and Sunday night, I was up all night just sweating profusely and um, feeling terrible. Yeah. On the one hand, feeling cold, so covering myself in about 12 different um, duvet, fleecy blanket, blanket sort of combos, and um, falling asleep. Okay. (laughs) And then waking up like two hours later in just absolute hot sweats and sodden bed going, oh, mate, (laughs) what's going on? And then having to get Did you have a weird moment where you thought you might have had a a number one accident. <laughs> I had I had about three weird moments where I thought I had a number three accident. <laughs> uh, but I've shaken off the worst of it. Um, yeah, I had I had headaches and everything. That sort of generally cleared up. So I will be going back into work tomorrow. But I don't think it will be my finest hour. Um, Your finest seven and a half hours. More like. More like eight. eight minimum, really. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah. So I just not much to say. I went to see Arrival on Sunday. That would be Arrival. Actually, I felt okay Sunday morning, and when I then I kind of felt a tingle of like, oh, I'm going to get sick here. Like I don't yeah. know what it was. Maybe sinuses felt a little bit funny or something. And I was like, okay, fine. Then. Booked a ticket to go and see Arrival. Then midway through it, I started to get a runny nose and started to feel tired. You didn't have some weird popcorn, did you? Because that's what happened to me in that very same cinema. No, because you didn't have two days of an actual cold afterwards, did you? Mm, I don't know. Two-day allergic reaction sounds weird. No, it wasn't that cinema. I went to the Empire Leicester Square, which is now owned by uh, Cineworld. Cinema World. Cinema World. Do you um, like suitables? So, yeah, so Arrival, I thought it was great. It yeah. mixed, um, like, a, a, I mean, it somehow manages to mix uh, world peace 
type storyline yeah. with a sort of very close personal love and um, family Loss. life based based story as well, and uh, does love, both love things slash really loss, well. Yeah, yeah. You have you seen it? Oh yeah, yeah. It was it was in my top three last year. Yeah, yeah. It was it was really good. Yeah, amazing design, amazing sound design. Thought the aliens were ace. Amy Adams was ace. Jeremy Renner was was great as well. Like, and yeah. I'm, I'm not normally his biggest fan, but I thought he was he was amazing in it. Yeah. Like, so, I yeah, I, I loved it. I loved. I loved it. Did you it cry? Brilliant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. Yeah. 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 Um, so, well, seeing Arrival had me up at sort of eight or so, but since I've been so sick, I'd probably say, uh, well, I want to say seven. I was down at the fours or fives. Yeah. But, um, okay. I'm, I'm feeling a lot better now overall. I'm yeah. almost better. So, okay. Seven. 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 Sure. Yeah. Okay. One thing. Last week we had our um, cinema rituals, snacks and rituals, right? Yeah. Okay. Now, I kind of feel like maybe I sit and... I, I mean, I think it's absolutely normal to think this way, but people might think I'm OCD for bringing it up. Mm-hmm. But um, I find some aspects of going to like big like um, multiplex cinemas stressful. Because I went to see this in um, the cinema that I mentioned, and I went in and I, like when I was sitting watching the trailers, it was obvious to me that the person who'd set up the projection had set it up so that at least two percent, three percent of the screen was chopped off at the top. Yeah, and that meant that a bunch of the trailers that were on the uh, in, in before the movie had text parts like cut out of them, right? Or, Things like that. So, like, basically went through, like, 10, 10, 15 minutes of trailers going, like, are they going to sort this out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do do I get up and do I go and ask somebody about this or will it just sort itself out? I don't know. So you're having, rather than sitting there and looking forward to it, you're having mind battles. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, yeah, I'm up for this film. I can't wait to see it. No, I'm sitting there going... These twats can't like their their basic income here is based on their ability to show this in a way that's at yeah. high quality in a place yeah. that's comfortable. You pay a lot of money, but also I know that sounds like facetious, like oh, I put, pay so much money to come down here. But like it, it is true, and also I was sitting yeah. there thinking, like my home setup gives me less hassle than this. Like I can yeah. watch a film in a way where I know it's going to look exactly as expected at home. Yeah. More yeah, as, than what I'm here, as predicted. Yeah. So I, I actually went out and spoke to the guy. Oh really? <laughs> I did. What was and the they sorted it out. Wow. Okay. Uh, they sorted it out. Yeah. So the only thing was that like an usher came in with me with a torch. Okay, brilliant. <laughs> and, so and it, look, everyone's thinking, look at this douche. <laughs> he's got no, the, everyone, He's got the torch man. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your mate? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone was thinking, who's he going to grass on for like throwing chewing gum at someone, or like who's An he going to grass on for talking? And actually, I was just Sorry, fixing things for everyone. Yeah, but um, unsung hero. He came in during the Dunkirk trailer, which was actually brilliant for me because it was really subtle on like the commercial adverts. Mm. But during the trailer for Dunkirk, it's really letterboxed. So like. The top letterbox was barely there, and the bottom <laughs> one was absolutely massive. Okay. And the guy just looked at me like, 
yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll see what I can do, mate. <laughs> and um, and he just walked out. And Who then, this like, guy? Five, five minutes later, it was sorted. So yeah. it was good. But, I mean, it is annoying having to do shit like that. And the same thing applies to, like, you know when the house lights are just... yeah. On for too long. Yeah. Like, they were on during the whole of the trailers. Yeah, that's not acceptable. And they were po- pointed at the screen. And I was just like, is someone actually going to remember to turn these off? Like, they've not remembered to turn them off so far. Yeah. So what's what's to make me think they're going to turn them off before it starts? Yeah. So that means that either I can get up and maybe miss the first couple of minutes of a film, mm. or I can sit there and just watch the whole thing with, like, it ruined by house lights. Yeah, and you'll be having the mind battles constantly all the way through. Yeah, so I just think stick with the smaller cinema that knows what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. What about your life score, Ollie? Okay, well, look, despite having to, you know, do a bit of time on my speed awareness course, um, things actually things actually pretty good. I had a cinema trip myself. I went to see Split. Um, yeah. But before that, I got a tiny little bit of housekeeping. Housekeeping. So, last week we mentioned that we'd both... <coughs> last week we were mentioning about people coughing, Ian and how bad that is um but we'd <laughs> but we'd we mentioned that we'd both watched fury the brad pitt sheer labeouf tank film uh-huh not so, war film tank film. oh mate it's a tank film it is a tank film you know we both thought it was great agree L-U- agree capital v small i large t yeah we both love yeah. it yeah agree okay so i need i needed so, that verbal agreement what, Di- directed, what did I get wrong? No, nobody got anything wrong. But you know my my thoughts and opinions on 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 Suicide Squad. Uh huh. Same bloody director, isn't it? Oh. David Ayer. Hmm. So the little bit of housekeeping there. So people might have assumed that we would have known this already. Um, I didn't. I didn't know. Um, but yeah, same guy, David Ayer. Um, had done Suicide Squad, but before that, he'd done a, a great film called Fury, and we both enjoyed it, and we both disliked Suicide Squad. So I hope that David Ayer's next film is another corker. So well, there we go. That's all I wanted to say. Like, you know, sometimes you just don't like a film. That's fine. I thought, you know, Suicide Squad was ropey as, um, but I really like Fury. So I know, I know obviously it's just one of them. I think I'm, I'm looking forward to whatever he does next. So there we go. Here's the thing as well, is that I it, it gives more and more uh, clout to the idea that the whole um, editing mistakery and problems yeah. that were in it uh, are all based on like the, the studio giving them a hard time. Yeah. Because David Ayer also uh, directed End of Watch and Sabotage. Which is, well, End of Watch is great. I love that film. Yeah. That was, that's amazing. Uh, Sabotage. Again, I think that there was some weird editing fuckery going on with that because I, I remember looking at I the, think it was great. The the original trailer yeah. was go and watch it, people. The original trailer sells a different film to the one that was finally released. A hundred percent. Okay. Different story. But the I mean the actual movie was fine, I thought. It it was okay. I thought everybody was a little bit of a hard ass. Um, no, nobody Were they too edgy for you. Not too edgy, but everybody was like, "Motherfucker, hey, how's it going, motherfucker?" And just like banter all the time. Everyone was just facial tattoos and hard and grisly and oh, I don't know. Just I found I, I just found them all a little bit cartoonish and 
Yeah. I don't know. Sam, Sam Worthington ended up looking like tiny in that as well. Yeah. Everyone was massive and he just looked like he was about four foot tall. Yeah. I don't know. It was okay. Arnie was cool. But so I went to see, Correct. I went to see Split, M. Night Shyam, M. Night Shyamalan's latest. <laughs> <clears throat> what are you laughing at? Why are you laughing at? <laughs> well, why are you laughing at? Okay, that doesn't make sense. And also, neither does Shalamilanyalan. <laughs> I didn't say that. Uh, uh, M. Knight Shyamalan. Yeah, okay. Shamatalan. <laughs> okay. Shmatalan. So I went to see. I went to see his latest film, and um, like it's a real, it's, it's a real weird one. No, it's not shit. It's a weird one because basically, it was about maybe like a 6 out of 10 film all the way up until the very 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 last 30 seconds and then it was like a 7.5 like oh actually fine but only if you've got a knowledge of his previous films it was an interesting film James McAvoy was like amazing in it his like his faces were well good he did some great faces in it and I don't even think he like had to do any mad method acting for it it was just it just seemed like really good, okay. But I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was a pretty, pretty decent film. I looked really good. Like all of his films looked pretty good on troubling cinema experiences. So I wanted some popcorn. So I was queuing up. There was three queues of equal length. Not worth it. <sighs> well, not with not with like when you're missing all of the trailers. It's not worth it. No, popcorn's never worth it. Well, I got I got in a queue and I was behind three people. And I thought, this is the shortest queue. And the other two queues just started going down, like, a lot quicker, because these people were ordering so much. Their bill, their food bill, for three of them, came to £46 for food. <laughs> they they had everything. They had nachos. They had hot dogs. They had popcorn. They had crisps. They had bags of sweets. They had slushes. They had the lot. They were buying for 23 personalities. <laughs> yeah, yeah they, were, they were essentially buying for 23. Um, it was ridiculous. So basically, every other queue just went down. And every time I tried to leave the queue, leave, well, this queue that I was in, every time I tried to sidestep into the next one, someone else would join it. And I was like, for fuck's sake. <laughs> so I had an absolute mare, but I eventually got my, got my popcorn, managed to sit down with my popcorn Saw one trailer for Rings, which looked shit, and the popcorn was disappointing AF. As it always is. It isn't, but do you want to know? It is. It's just shit It isn't. It isn't. Look, many people enjoy popcorn. Many people listening to this, well, the one or two, one of the two people listening to this podcast still will be going, (laughs) you know what, Ian, you're bloody wrong you are. I I, I love popcorn. It's great, you know. Uh, Uh, I... I strongly suggest that people reach out to tell us their opinions on popcorn. But and what I will say, like... do you know why it was bad? Because it was the dregs. Why? It was the dregs at the bottom of the at the bottom. Basically, every piece was like tiny. So, and that's the real dregs because popcorn is kind of the dregs of foodstuffs anyway. So, so like, there wasn't you get the dregs of the dregs. Maybe at the very top, there was like a couple of whole pieces of popcorn which were satisfying to eat. But basically, two thirds of it was just little crumbs of popcorn, and it was it was an absolute bloody nightmare. 
So what's your life score? Seven and a half. Oh, so it's only half better than me, and I've I've only just come back from a bit of despair. Yeah. But okay, fair enough. Four X deep dive. I think I'll probably just watch the meme of Split, to be honest. I had to split. I had to split. Did they swallow an I hope that information wasn't false. We're talking about Mila Jovovich. Or Jokovic. Jokovic, as I say. What do you know about her? Well, I know that um, she was a model uh, before getting a first acting gig. Okay. It's no coincidence that she's got great cheekbones. <laughs> okay. Uh, I have a couple of facts about her um, that are from your favourite IMDb. Ah, beautiful. Well, uh, you know you know the link that I've got on my A4 bit of paper? Uh, the yeah. link is 50 things... Uh, Mila Jovovich speaks fluent Russian, Serbian, French. So that's one of them. So I know that she speaks four languages, which is very impressive, seeing as I only speak one, and I don't even speak that very well. Correct. Yeah. I had a couple of bits of trivia about her. Okay. Um, Keep it upbeat, Ian. You're sounding a little bit... I'm just so ill. <laughs> right. <laughs> Come on, keep it up, B. Come on, let's go. Mila Jovovich. So, uh, IMDb says that she's known for a couple of different things. Okay. Right? Now, I'm going to throw a few of these by you. Okay. One of them, I think, is just... It's kind of stretching known for as uh, a category quite okay. far, right? So, husky voice. That, I no, can kind of yeah, get. Yeah, like, okay. some, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes um, not. Feline eyebrows. Feline fine. Uh, may, uh, maybe, I, I guess. I mean, cats don't tend to have eyebrows. I mean, are you sure, yeah, they, exactly. are you sure they meant um, feline eyes? Like the kind of, you know, f- cat eyes? Are you sure it said eyebrows? I mean, yeah, I'm looking at it directly from the list. I mean, what I will say is I'm going to now go on the internet and find... Um, a picture of a cat with eyebrows um, and a picture of Miller and, you know, have a like-for-like comparison. Yeah. Enhance the pictures. Enhance the pictures. um, Cross them over on top of one another. Okay. So she's also apparently known for her brown hair, green-blue eyes and pale skin. Right. Now that I can kind of get, right? Yeah. She's also known for often being cast by her husband, Paul W.S. Anderson. Fair. Which is something I'd like to get into in a little while. Yeah. You've um, certainly often, been getting into that in a box set kind of way. Yep. Yeah. Um, she often dresses in red in her films and in real life. Mm. Well, maybe that's because the, uh, the films that she's been in are primarily Resident Evil based. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, you know, they maybe outweigh the other ones because I, I know because that, there's six or seven. Well, of them. there's she. She wasn't in the Fifth Element. She wasn't. I don't think in Ultraviolet and maybe Dazed and Confused and Cuffs. Uh, <laughs> she in in um, Ultraviolet. She changed her costume and hair like seemingly at will. I don't know what it was, but she'd like yeah at will. And then here's the final one. She's known for her hyperactive personality. Well, I just wouldn't know that. There's no way that I could know that. 
So how can she be known for that? Like, I mean, maybe in personal circles. Yeah. But not something that's worth printing on IMDb. Maybe, I mean, have you ever seen an interview with her? Or have you seen any behind-the-scenes making-ofs? Have you delved into the... Have you delved into the Resident Evil Blu-ray box set special features? I haven't, because I had four... No, I had five movies to get through, so I just... No, I didn't bother. Okay, so maybe the uh, key to unlocking that mystery lies within that that box set and the special features. Perhaps, yeah. Hey, guys! No, one... Woohoo! We're, we're doing another Resident Evil! <laughs> I can't believe it! Sorry. We're doing another Resident Evil. I can't believe it. Um, one thing I would say about that—that that was me uh, trying to do a husky voice, by the way. Resident Evil. We're doing yeah, another bloody into... Resident Evil with the old husband over there. <laughs> Paul W. S. Anderson marries Ray Winston. <laughs> yeah. So I uh, bloody love these Resident Evil films. Get me my red dress on now. <laughs> so one thing I'd say about the box set that I got. So I got the uh, four movie Resident Evil collection Blu-ray. The packaging is delightful. Uh, just it's fine. Fine. Um, there's lots of special features in it all. All the movies have the same typeface and uh, styling. That's okay. What's your problem with that? It makes it consistent, but yeah, it makes it consistent good. with like an art style from basically 15 years ago. Okay, well, that's still okay. I mean, that's not a problem. If the art style is good, stick with it. It was shit to begin with. So okay, fine. Well, fantastic. What I was going to say about it is when you put every DVD on, and I'm putting them on in a PlayStation 4, right? So yeah. I put it on, and then the movie comes on, and then the button controls to play and pause and fast forward for the movie yeah. change yeah. to what I think are like Japanese-style Resident Evil controls for their own internal UI system. Right, well, what you're doing is you're playing the films on hard mode. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, it's so weird. Like, it changes things from, like, the X button to the circle button and stuff. And I'm just like, no. Play it. I barely want it to play anyway, so don't well, give me the option to not bother. I would have thought that it would have been um, a fail on the PlayStation. Submission. Yeah, yeah. to have X is always enter. Circle yeah. is always back out. Square is... You know, I don't know what that might be. Menu that that's assignable to whatever, but you don't ever that's mess. Shoot. Listen, you don't mess with your X and you don't mess with your circle. That's a given. Squares shooting triangles through ball. Yeah, <laughs> the, classic. <laughs> the classic through ball. Okay. Uh, there's a whole bunch of these Resident Evil ones. Do you want to get into those first? Or? No, I want to. I want to get into um, what I think is is her finest hour and cool. a half. Maybe nearly two hours. I went through a bit of a mad Bruce Willis one when I was when I was younger. I loved The Fifth Element. I still do now. I think it's I think it's a really good film, and I think she's brilliant in it. And I would liken her performance and maybe why she got the role to a similar reason to why James Cameron cast Arnie as the Terminator. I can't imagine that there would be that many actresses that could do that performance as she did. Just like I don't think there would be that many actors that could play the Terminator as Arnie did. I've got a fact for you here. And 14 out of 14 people found this interesting. So, you know, you're in for a good one. 
So Mila Jovovich beat out over 3,000 women who auditioned for the role of Lilu in The Fifth Element. Wow. So there was something special about about her. And, and I think, for me, it really translates on, on, on the screen. I think she's, she's really good. Bruce Willis is brilliant. Gary Oldman's great. Chris Tucker is, again, I think he's great. I know, I know a, lot, a lot of people found him well annoying, but mm-hmm. I, thought he was, I thought he was funny. But she's, she's just great in it. And I think that's her best, even though she's done like, what, eight or nine Resident <laughs> Evil films, I, I still think that, you know, she struck gold. There. I mean, I don't know whether you agree with the with the Arnie comparison or, or what I'm trying to get out there. I kind of maybe get what you're saying, which is that there is more in the look than in I don't know. It's maybe an un an X factor, an X factor. Yeah, that's what that's exactly what I was looking for. Yeah. An undefinable quality that is just uh, something that makes them stand out. So yeah, I think so. So yeah, Fifth Element, right? Yeah. So that was Luke Besson. Yes. And a couple of things about your points on that. I agree that I think everyone that ended up in it was very good. Yeah. Right. But oh, do you do you think that a movie like that would have had the budget that it got had they not attached Bruce Willis Willis to it? Do you think that maybe? They never intended to have him, but because he sells well in the Japanese market, <laughs> that um, he helped it along. Because for him at the time, that was like a mad one to go you're, off into you're a wrong. sci-fi movie. You're, you're wrong. You're dead wrong. Uh, Am I? I've got another fact here for you, Ian. Why don't you hit me with it? Okay, I'm reading this off a page. So if it doesn't sound like me, it's because it's not my words. It's the words of someone on the internet, <laughs> right? Yeah, go on. So, Bruce Willis was initially reluctant to do the film in, as the film was considered risky after his two previous films, Hudson Hawk and Billy Bathgate, both of which were stinkers. That wasn't on the internet, that's my opinion. Luke Besson was in Barry Josephson's office. I imagine he's probably some kind of some kind of exec that you might get in an elevator going up to the top yeah. floor that takes about a minute. So, he was in his office when Bruce Willis called regarding a different film. And Besson asked to speak to Willis just to say hello, though. Nothing more, nothing less. Just to say hello. And told him that the project was finally going ahead um, and explaining that they were going to go with a less expensive actor than Bruce. And after a short silence, Willis said, Well, if I like the film, we can always come to an arrangement. And he agreed to take on the role after reading the script. So initially, Bruce Willis... They're Fox Gavin. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I one but thing much I, like Sean yeah. was willing to negotiate down. <laughs> yeah. Listen, in my heyday, I demanded triple that, and that was when that's when the currency was worth a lot less. But I don't um, think I don't think Sean would have been would have been swayed by the quality of the script. No, he certainly wouldn't have read it. <laughs> Give me a digest. <laughs> This has actually worked out for the better because it goes into one of my other points, which is that Mila Jovovich has been married to um, two of the main directors in the movies of her career. So she was married to somebody very quickly who she eloped with after Days and Confused, an actor that I forget the name of. What does elope um, mean? Like running away, I think. Okay, can you verify that she was eloping? I mean... Run away secretly in order to get married. Is that what happened? Yeah, and her mother uh, had the marriage annulled because she was only 16 at the time. Annulled. Okay. That's not even funny. (laughs) 
Well, please, if you found that funny, you can go to www.guysonfilm.co.uk and use the contact form to let me know that that was indeed funny. (laughs) I wouldn't, though. Um, (laughs) I just just tweet at Ultra Magic and say, you need to break free of this guy. (laughs) Yeah, so she was married to that guy very briefly for like a month and a half or something. And then... She did The Fifth Element. Straight afterwards, she was also in the Joan of Arc movie, The Messenger, Joan of Arc story. Yeah. Which is also a Luc Besson film. And yeah. he... So they were married. Yeah. Despite their, like, chasm of age difference. Fine. Now, I watched the trailer for Joan of Arc. Okay. Um, and I actually think it looks pretty good. It's yeah. got John Malkovich, or Djokovic, yeah. and Mila Jovovich, or yeah. Djokovic. Yeah. As well as Dustin Hoffman. And I think, actually, it looks pretty decent. Well, I saw the trailer on a film, like, I don't know what it was, like Braveheart or something like that from Blockbuster Video in the 90s. And I thought, I'd maybe watch that. And I never actually got around to it. It looks quite good. Here's the thing, right? She was married to Luke Besson. Now she's married to Paul W.S. Anderson. Not to be confused as we managed to... Uh, with Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah, okay. There's such a chasm in quality between the type of films that Paul W.S. Anderson and Luke Besson's making. That Yeah, but he's probably just a sound guy, isn't he? It doesn't really matter what what his, what his films are like, does I, it? What I think it is... What's, he like, is what's think... he like when he's home with his banter and his, you know, and his laughs and his romance? Probably top-notch. It's probably 10 out of 10. He's probably amazing. Oh, don't gas yourself out, mate. Um, <laughs> I'm just what saying I, what, what, I what has what has the quality of his films got to do with the quality of his relationship I do not know well I don't know I just think she's gotten the worst <laughs> worst director as her husband <laughs> it does. doesn't matter it's just <laughs> such a non-point oh, you thought you a, thought you thought step down you thought you had a, a big old point there but ultimately no, I, I, it's not that I thought I had a big point it's more that big opinion <laughs> it's not certainly not a big opinion it's just a, a statement of fact I actually think it's probably more on the side of Luke Besson's probably a horrible shit to be with <laughs> um, because it's got to take a lot to like Paul W.S. <laughs> I reckon he's great I want I want to know him I, I, I want to know him because I reckon he's I, I reckon mate, we'd get on come on I think he's great I, I, I reckon he'll be fine <laughs> Right, so let's move on to. Well, look, I just, Resident I just Evils? actually just had uh, one more on. Uh, so what was quite interesting is that they, uh, director Luke Besson and Miller, all they they invented a language, a little bit like in Alien, where the alien bursts out of the uh, chest. So a bit like that, where nobody knew what was going on. So in fact, nobody knew. Uh, well, Bruce Willis didn't know that she was going to talk to him in this weird language during a scene. So, Bruce Willis's reactions are real. Wow. It's not acting. That's a first. It's not acting. <laughs> 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 hey, uh, I just want to say that 26 out of 27 people found that interesting. So, I imagine maybe <laughs> I imagine maybe the one person that didn't find that interesting was either Luke Besson or Bruce Willis. Which one do you think it is? <laughs> Paul W.S. Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> Resident Evil. Evil goes global. Um, uh, yeah, so I've watched 
all the Resident Evil films apart from the final chapter, which is coming out in the cinema soon. Okay. Can we just run through them really quickly and then we'll jump into I have I have some notes on two of them. Okay. Going through the list, right? Resident Evil the original, two thousand and two. Yeah. What do you think the meta score is? The meta score I think that's probably the highest of the lot. Like uh seventy or something like that. <laughs> but because I think um, people genuinely think it's a decent film. Like a decent okay. a- action nonsense film. Okay, so here's the thing. I st- I was getting ready to start watching these and you messaged me saying, oh, check out this link. It says that the first one is the best and they get worse from there. Yeah. And I'd had this idea in my head uh, that they would get slightly better as they went along because I remembered the first one as being shit. It, w- it was really bad. Yeah. The first one is really bad. It's 33 Metascore. Is it? Okay. And the highest one of all these is 41, and it's not, it's obviously not the first one. So Resident Evil Apocalypse, which is 2, is yep. 35. Okay. Extinction is 41, that's the highest ranking one. Yeah. Afterlife is 37, and Retribution is 39. Retribution is, I think, the most visually impressive one, but maybe we should go through the first one okay. and chat about it just briefly. Here's the thing, you're going to maybe have to cover me for some game-related facts, because yep. I don't know a lot about the games. I played Resident Evil 2 on PlayStation 1. I played Resident Evil 1, 2, 3, 0, 4, 5, and I think that's I think that's it. I think that's all I played. And the remakes as well. I think I played the start of the original Resident Evil remake on GameCube. I think the, the, only, one I have, the only ones I haven't played is, is Resident Evil 6, because I didn't like 5. And I'm really ex- I love the look of the latest one. Seven looks bloody brilliant. So, uh, yeah, I know I know a bit about the games. I know more about the games than I do about the films. So okay. I can bridge your gaps. My immediate problem with the first one was that overall the color palette of it is super bright. The whole thing about Resident Evil was that it was a side point that rather than the traditional zombie storyline, which is that it's like voodoo magic or... Um, when, no. when What films of zombies about voodoo magic? All the original zombie films. Right. Comes from, like, Haitian um, folklore and, like, from okay. um, zombie magic and basically the resurrection of the dead. Okay. <laughs> but a lot- that was my point. Okay. So, like, this was this was a nuance that was like, okay, this is a virus. And my thinking was, this is cool because it makes it more contemporary, makes it more... It, it's a believable thing. Like, a chemical outbreak could cause, like, a biological effect that then um, just goes worldwide and it's a pandemic. Or well, that is the standard zombie film now, is uh, a, a virus no. outbreak. Yeah. Now, yeah. No, right yeah. now, right here, right now. The thing is, they've taken the fact that it, it came from a multinational company and made that the most important part of it, where it was like a sort of paranoid background story element in the games. Yeah. It's like front and centre, and the only thing that's important in the movies is this umbrella corporation no. and everything about them. Yeah, yeah it, it, was, it was... It became more apparent as the... As the games went along, the umbrella yeah, with the umbrella one, with the big bad. In one and two, yeah, it was it was a background paranoia element. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. Basically, my point being that if you want Resident Evil, you want a dark, claustrophobic, atmospheric sort of uh, scary horror setting yeah. that has zombies, and then maybe the payoff is based in yes. like the ultimate base of like the oppressors and the multinational company who are like doing shady dealings and dodgy bits and balls in the background, right? So, so that the, is yeah, the you're main right. Trust of it should be about the atmosphere and the darkness yeah. and this film is just the exact opposite of that yeah in resident evil it's pretty much like 75 percent exploring the spencer mansion exploring the mansion solving puzzles shooting zombies new new monsters appear you're reading notes and all that sort of stuff but it's it's high tension high horror <laughs> high tension high horror um but but it's <laughs> but it's atmosphere and it's dark and it's creaky and it's opening doors slowly and all that sort of stuff there's no like mad flying kicks or you know karate or anything like that and then towards the end of the game you finally get a key to like a a very heavy door and you're into a laboratory yeah you're into the source of where it's all coming from you're revealing it all you don't get that sort of reveal in in the films it's basically tech all the way all the way which yeah which was which is the one thing that i don't like about it like seventy five percent of the games is opening doors. That's correct. Yeah, in okay. creaky doors. Yeah, yeah. It's just long loads on doors. Yeah. So a couple of other things about the first film. I think uh, quite a few parts of it, the effects look practical. So like, there's a dog, uh, a rabid like zombie dog, covered in bacon, uh, covered in bacon that I think looks good because it's practical and it's funny. Yeah. And uh, it gets like sliced in half in the air or something like that. Yeah. Whereas in later films, that would just be completely CG. CG yeah. crows. Um, yeah. Um, and more and more, the umbrella thing has like kind of become true. Like Google, Facebook, or Apple, could, like, there's no reason why they couldn't be aiming their money at like biological warfare. None of us would know any better about it yeah. because they're the companies with the most money um, going and the most data going as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, my main issue with it is that, like, the story has got no real clear thrust about where the hell it's supposed to be going. Yeah. Um, it's all bright and it's all... There's no tension about when zombies appear. And it, yeah. It's, like, there's, it's just too clinical and... And there's, a loud, and, and there's a loud pumping new metal soundtrack. Correct. And also, the first time a zombie gets shot, uh, it gets blown away on wires... Like, one standard gunshot blows a zombie away for about 30 feet. Yeah. Uh, which I don't understand, really. And there's also this big feeling to sort of, like, over-gamify it. Like, it was a it was a game film. Yeah. There was a health bar. There was a health bar on the screen all the way through. <laughs> I mean, there may as well have been, because... Did you have to save all- the film at any point? Yeah, it it said, like, the film will be reset to the beginning if you don't save. (laughs) No, there's just a bunch of stuff like mod, like, 3D models of uh, environments. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, like, they shouldn't be environments, they should be settings, they should be scenes and rooms and stuff like that, but they're not. They're environments that you're constantly panning out from and then seeing, like, the overall, like, position of it within the overall like base or whatever like you've got this far to go before the end of the movie let's 
just talk about something that friend of the the podcast Andy Sandballs had suggested. You, you've you've spent five minutes slagging this film off. Have you got any positives? Uh, Is it any you know just on anything an artistic level, sound design, Miller herself as Miller's an action? Fine. Yeah, right. Okay, so I mean, you've got Miller's that. martial arts are good. Her stunt but- work is delightful. Yeah, but within the context of the film, the reason for them being there is kind of like, mm. like the 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 set pieces are more important than why the set piece is actually there at all. <sighs> Ian, you've started moaning about it again. <laughs> I'm after positives, right? But I mean, the delivery on the set pieces is fine. Great. <laughs> okay. What about that bit where like all the lasers go down the corridor and everyone gets died? Right. So. So I have a point about that as well, yeah. which is... <laughs> he reused it in Aliens that, vs. Predator. Fine. Well, actually, that's something that I hadn't thought of. Interesting. I'll add that to my point when it comes yeah. up later. Reskinned, <laughs> reskinned it for another film. Reskinned banter. Yeah. Um, reskinned so, lasers. Right, so there, there's a couple of bits um, that are worthy of note. So there's a woman trying to get out of a lift. Now, these lifts have inexplicably uh, started dropping from a great height to, like, the lowest height in the building. Oh, because they're doing an elevator uh, pitch. She's trying to sell a product to someone. Yeah, and the executives just hit the eject button. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it drops, like, 200 stories. But, like, so there's an outbreak in the uh, Umbrella Laboratories. The high. For some, for some reason, the, the elevators just drop 200 floors for no reason. Why not? Um... But yeah, but why? I'll just say why not again. Uh, no, but I just have a lot of whys about all of these okay. films, Ollie. Yeah, I um, thought we were going to a positive, but you've you've you're, you're dragging us back into the negatives again. So there's this woman that's trying to drag herself out of a lift yeah. on a floor where uh, she's opened the lift doors. Yeah, and she's trying to get out of it. Yeah, and uh, so she's hanging maybe ten feet above uh, the ground, maybe like seven or eight foot above the ground, trying to get out. And then the lift drops until she's like an inch away from the floor. Yeah. And she like she thought she was going to have her head lopped off. Yeah. Um, but she doesn't. She doesn't. But then in true jump scare fashion, the lift then shoots upward for no apparent yes. reason. Yes. And her head does get lopped off. But <laughs> on account of the fact That's that it's enough. a 15, yeah. you don't see the head coming off, right? Yeah. But... The weird thing about it is that in other scenes, heads do get lopped off. Right. Surely there was zombie because probably there was... Oh, no. I was about to say there were zombie heads. Or maybe there were heads inside helmets or, you know, something like that. Well, you mentioned the laser scene. Yeah. Now, do you remember the Resident Evil 1 laser scene? Not amazingly well. I know somebody gets diced and I know someone just gets the top of their head off. And right, maybe so, one person gets done down the middle as well and their face goes in half while that bisected. Yeah. Um basically for those who haven't seen it, there is a wall of lasers that is moving down a corridor yeah. um towards these people and it slices somebody into like multiple parts and then the side of their head slips off. Yeah, that's good. Com- completely clean cut. And then other people, yeah, as you say, like bisected down the middle or whatever. Now you said that it's an AVP, another Paul W.S. Anderson yeah. film. Yeah. Right? I think it also exists in every other Resident Evil film as well. Yeah. Like, it's reused in 
everyone. Now, what's like? It wasn't even that good the first time. I don't know. <laughs> I do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, he just has these ideas and then reuses and reuses them. And it's, it's the same with characters who die. There are just reasons for them to have been like genetically brought back to life, or a simulation of them being brought back to life, or whatever. Just because it's like, right, get the same folk back in, just. Do the same thing again. Is Alice alive? Who is Alice anyway? She's not in the games. Is it Joel Valentine? Is it Claire Redfield? Is it Leon? No, they're kind of in the background until the last movie. and ugh, It's just... It's a heap of shit, Ollie. Would you say that Miller's character improves throughout the films or just stays the same? You know when you're reviewing something that has so few redeeming qualities that the, if you yeah. were to gripe about every aspect of it, you'd just be there all day. Yeah. I think as a general point throughout all of them, none of the characters have any character development or reason for their actions. Okay. They're just plot heavy and the characterization is really bad. So like her performances are consistent, but like why is she doing any of it? No one knows. Well, I guess that's another point, isn't it? Is people are going to see them. They're madly popular. And are they? Yeah, they're hugely popular. They make a ton of money. They Do make... They? Yeah, they make a ton. Well, Ian, what is the final chapter? It's six or seven at least, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, they're... they're they do not, they do not make chapter six, six or seven of something and put it in the cinema if they're just not profitable. They are making mad stacks, yo. I think that they've managed to find a place where so much can be done with CG that they're managing to skim a large amount of money Oh yeah, uh, from not a huge budget. Yeah, probably, but people are going to see them. To me, it was was watchable, um, and I liked Miller, but... It, it was not Resident Evil. It was it was something else. It was it was not Resident Evil. Resident uh-huh. Evil Four. So you're right. It it has been making more and more money with every outing, mm-hmm. up to the point where it made two hundred ninety six million for Afterlife, and then for Retribution it made two hundred forty. So that's a drop in yeah. millions. Uh, for five million more budget, but um, with the last one, my my points on that, like I do have a lot of points about the most recent one, Retribution. Retribution, okay. Like it's very glossy looking. It looks the best. It has the most budget of all of them, sixty five million. Although in adjusted money, maybe it's actually less than what it got in two thousand two or whatever. But um, yeah, I just think like everything is so plot heavy. And bear in mind that I've watched five of them in a week or something like that yeah i was having to do other things whilst i watched these okay right so taking one or two minutes of like full attention away from the screen i turned back and some plot element had been thrown in that just meant nothing made sense anymore like they're, <laughs> so, they're so plot heavy like you need to know every detail at all times rather than like oh i understand why this character wants to now progress towards the same goal because I get them. It's just yeah. like, oh, she now has to do this. Who knows why? Right. Now, here's one thing. This is a sort of detailed bit at the start. She's trapped in an interrogation room. It's all white again. The yep. whole thing's bright, white, weird looking. There's lasers everywhere. Of, there's not lasers, but she's just on the floor of um, Umbrella Corporation um, holding cell, which reminded me a little bit of like uh, Alien Resurrection when Ripley is in the room. The alien Ripley is in that room trapped 
um, yeah. and she has to break out. Then she's getting interrogated in like this like noise treatment or whatever, and then the computer shuts down, and for whatever reason, it has to verbally announce that the computer is shutting down. So oh, the computer little... has shut down. So it's a little bit so like you... uh, when I was in my speed awareness course and a, a man's mobile phone went off and then he, he all of a sudden had to turn it off really quickly and it and it made the world's longest power down sequence. So it does happen in real life as well. I don't think that's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If, you, if you're if you in a I maximum security prison and yeah. the computer system broke, I don't think that they would have built in an audio voice recording that said, computer system down, all no. security measures are off. <laughs> And then the yeah, door the opens up, and oh, then her her husband's kink drawer opens up out of nowhere. Like one of these white panels opens up as a drawer, and it yeah. includes a black latex and straps and sort of uh, boots suit costume yeah. for yeah. her to put on. And next scene, she's out in a corridor uh, wearing like these black strappy latex S and M outfit with guess what lasers coming down the corridor and she has to run away from uh, do a mad <laughs> triple backflip through them yeah no she just runs away from them but i, I had a little bit of imdbology for you on on retribution this is the uh the parents guide you're not going to let your kids watch this film uh, so there's three scatological terms two anatomical terms six mild obscenities and two religious exclamations right and there's also name calling, and in brackets it says thing. So can you remember a point when someone was called thing? No. You bloody thing. <laughs> so um, it says here a woman awakens from a dream in a laboratory wearing only a white towel covering yeah. breasts, abdomen, and groin area. And then yeah, bra- she's a little bit Lilu looking in that. And then in uh, in brackets it says. We see bare shoulders, arms, sides, and legs. I mean, that sounds yeah. fine. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, the the worst thing here is that if, if she came actually... to your house dressed like that, it might be inappropriate. But in a movie, I don't think your children are going to be harmed in any way. Yeah, so. but what what we'll say is that they've actually described breasts where the film has. I mean, you could you could say that uh, maybe in like. I don't know. The yeah, ter- but kids, kids are not reading the parents' guide. I know, but you could you could say that in any film. Oh, he was uh, he was wearing jeans and a t shirt, like Harrison Ford in Blade Runner. He's wearing <laughs> he's wearing joggers and a and a t shirt covering his penis and his bottom <laughs> and his and his stomach. Um, yeah. Only his arms and his hands were visible. <laughs> I mean, you know, surely that's true of any clothing items that they they tend to cover your. Your genitalia. Yeah, I, mean, I would and say it's ris- risque just because a lot more than normal is shown. Okay. But it's right in saying that the key areas are concealed. And there's also a note here, and it says Note, watching the movie in 3D increases the intensity of the viewing experience. <laughs> so. Yeah, there's a fair, fair few bits that are pointy in it. Like, yeah missiles that get shot and they kind of linger in the air in sort of slow-mo. There's a lot of slow-mo in it. Yeah. So one one thing I I think uh, sums the whole thing up, Ollie, yeah. is that Mila Jovovich said about the first Resident Evil film 
We've got really infantile mentalities on this movie. We're like, it's gross, cool, it's disgusting, print it. You have to think like a 15-year-old. Yeah. Wet dress, zombies, guns, cool. Yeah. Now, I think they've kept the same mentality through all of them. And I think actually what they're failing with, and I mean, obviously, they're, they're maybe not failing in a monetary point of view, right? Because mm. they're still making money. Yeah. So they're not failing, but... but- Okay. But from a critical point of view, I think most of the people that like the original Resident Evil films are wanting something that's a little bit more than just like wet dress, zombies, guns, cool. They're not bloody growing up with their audience. Is that what you're saying? Maybe. What you're thinking is, I wish I'd have said that. That's exactly what I meant, but I'll just play it cool. No, because when you put it that way, it made me think, like, should they be really? Like, maybe they should still just be targeting the 15-year-old market. I don't know. Like, I mean, it would be nice to get a Resident Evil movie that's slightly more in tune with the the games. Um, I actually watched one of those CG Resident Evil movies today as well. I can't remember the name of it, but it's on Netflix. And I actually enjoyed it a lot more because it was clear and concise what it was about, and it was a lot more in the style of the games yeah not just because it was cg but because it was atmospheric and dark for a lot of it yeah in summation i'd like mila jovovich to do something that's like small scale where she's the heroine but it's like grittier more realistic maybe like uh the thing type thing or something like that yeah like kate beckinsale did that thing white out and now that wasn't great but i think you could do that in the style of the thing and have Miller be like really good at it. Yeah, she just needs to break away from this Resident Evil stuff for a while and do some more. Maybe, stuff, maybe she is really good. She needs to set. Maybe you're saying separate home and work. Um, you know, <laughs> separate from her husband. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm not suggesting that. Um, I think yeah, Neither I, I, I agree. I, I think yeah. Although I wouldn't marry him, I certainly would. He seems he seems like my kind of chap. Uh, you know, he's all about the action nonsense. I think he's probably. I think every, everyone knows what I think of you. If you would like to contact us, then you should go to facebook.com forward slash guys on film. If hey, what like about our website? Us, hey, well, also, you can go to our website www.guysonfilm.co.uk where you can navigate to the contact page and drop us a line there. Ask us literally anything. Um, you can also follow us at really? GOF Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And you can check out our own personal accounts at Ultramagic for me and Sutin. Ollie P. Johnson. Alright, cool. Are we done here? It's the final chapter of this sode. No, I don't think there's another chapter. We're done. <laughs> We're done, yeah. Never this this is this is it. This uh, is it. This is it. One more one more one more. 8x deep dive on criminal and then we're done <laughs> no we just bought a bloody website oh, fuck. <laughs> okay we're gonna have to keep it going for a bit longer bye yeah bye <laughs>